Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning and welcome in. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Saturday Suckage with you. We suck so you don't have to. And Mark, it took three quarters for our magic to take effect last Sunday. The Bears against the Detroit Lions and the idiot Matt Patricia, the, the first coach to be fired. And that'll happen soon because he keeps losing to Mitchell Trubisky. But our show, our magic is back. How are you, Mark? We are back, and I had three things I was just thinking here. Kyle Hendricks, as I've said in the past, he will strike your ass out. Uh, Jonathan <laughs> Stever, that, that's a reminder. Don't be fooled by the calm demeanor and the 89-mile-per-hour fastball. He will strike your ass out. Jonathan Stever looked like a man who was tipping pitches last night, and Garrett Crochet, oh, my God. Yes, yes. Garrett Crochet is throwing 101 miles an hour. It's easy stuff. And there was a really, there was a wonderful exchange. It was uh, Lamont Pope in the, in the Tribune wrote that, that um, in his lead block, James McCann goes out to help Garrett Crochet warm up for the sixth inning Friday. 
and they're playing the Reds. And plate umpire Mark Carlson asked about Crochet's history, and the White Sox catcher told him this was his first professional game ever. Not just his major league debut, because there's no minor leagues. This is his first professional game. So Ricky Renteria is re-racking this story. He says, you think he should be here? And McCann (laughs) goes, well, you let me know after the inning. So then Crochet goes out there, strikes out two of the three batters, throws 100 or 101. So then McCann goes out there for the next inning to warm up C-Shack, and Mark Carlson says, yeah, I think he's okay. He should be here. <laughs> so there you go. It's that- funny because I thought last night that Garrett Crochet, and that was a great story. I love that. Garrett Crochet kind of took everybody by surprise with his stuff. Obviously, Mark Carlson, the home plate umpire. Yasmani Grandal either got crossed up on one pitch or was like, whoa, what the hell, on one pitch. And the first two batters that Crochet faced, Brian Goodwin or Jose Garcia, and maybe this is just me projecting and wanting to have felt them do this, but they both seemed to kind of be like, whoa, what the hell's going on here? What Wasn't quite ready for this. Don't know this man. He's throwing 100, and then he's throwing good sliders too, and then Barnhart makes contact, which surprised me. So I don't know how it's going to work out in his next performance. Maybe he gets hit up in his next performance, but that was that was pretty cool to watch last night. And so you had, um, as long as we're talking White Sox, um, the the division leaders, and uh, they are, for all the world, look to be like they're going to win this division. And it's a they clinched a playoff spot the other night and acted like they should have, which was pretty remarkable. And you have your MVP pick, and it's wonderful that, that there's an argument among White Sox between that argument you could have among White Sox players about who's really most valuable. And then I'll give you a third one coming hard on the outside. So you make your case. Yeah, it's Jose Abreu, without a doubt. And it has been for a while, even before he started to pile on and maybe change some people's opinions, because I think it's been popular to pick Tim Anderson. And Tim Anderson's been great as well and had huge hits and does play shortstop. But I think in this year, in a 60-game season, and for some reason, well, I get it to some degree, RBIs for about the last 10 years have been devalued to some degree, and we can get into the math and science of why they have been. But I think in this case, in this season, and he does have, if my math is correct, 51 RBIs in 51 games, and I've watched the majority of the White Sox games from start to finish this year, just about all of them. And having done that, and I know you have too, Steve, and I know a lot of people listening have, If you have watched the White Sox games, you know that the Jose Abreu RBIs this season, seemingly the most of them, have been big RBIs. And there are inconsequential RBIs that exist, and that's part of the reason that they have been devalued. But in his case, they have been massive RBIs. Hell, just go right back to the game in which the White Sox clinch, where he runs out a a hit to tie the game to short right i mean just just go yeah, back to that if it. you want and it's ironic that it's a simple single considering the mash power that he's had this year but i just think at this point in a 60 game season and being that his rbis were of consequence it's starting to bother me that people are overthinking this and that it seems like Jose Brave still has to have like two or three more two home run games before a lot of people will say, okay, okay. You know what it's like to me? It's like the year that Miguel Cabrera 
had the Triple Crown. And I can't remember who the runner-up was that year, but it was somebody who a lot of the sabermetricians thought should have had it. Somebody will, somebody will remember. But it was like, okay, we're going to go old school for this year because Triple Crown is pretty incredible, even if it is an old school stat. That, that's awesome. You can't deny it. And I think that that's the same case with Jose Abreu. Stop trying to deny Jose Abreu. It seems like his, his whole season with the White Sox, he's been handicapped from the beginning. Hell, going back to last year when a lot of people thought, okay, this guy has value. Trade him, trade him, trade him, trade him. What do we need him for? He basically has to beg his way back to the White Sox, says he'd sign himself, finally gets a three-year deal, and now here he is, the the MVP, and still, still having to fight for it. Um, And I am, Mr. Rosenblum, fighting for him. I I can see that. By the way, um, it was some kid named Mike Trout. There it was. (laughs) Runner-up to Cabrera, and it was that was the— that was old school, new school kind of voting. That was yes. sabermetricians versus the the standard kind of the conventional, the long held belief of of what was great. And, That's what it was, and, right? And at I this mean, point, you know, much of the much of the argument uh, or the discussion or the back and forth with with uh, Anderson and Abreu, and you look at that and you say, well, okay, what's the war? Well, right now you have Abreu with a higher war, a Fangraph's war, than Anderson, 2-4 to 2-3. And you've got Abreu with a better uh, OPS plus so than, than Anderson. And so it's really hard to, it's really hard to, to argue against that. He's been, he's also been such a, there's a feel-good story about him having been here for, Knowing what it means, he goes 30 and 100 every year, and they never go anywhere. 30 and 100, they never make the playoffs. 30 and 100, well, they're not even going to play enough to get 30 and 100, and he makes the playoffs. And is there? you could see how much it means to him. And at the other end of that, while he seems to be the the soul and conscious and backbone and and statue of 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 what this organization built around and towards and with and then there's Tim Anderson who is is all of the you know whatever you want to call it swag flash whatever he is he backs it up he he backs it up with the way he hits the way he plays and his teammates are following there's a lot there's so much going on with these two guys that goes beyond just the numbers that I think is wonderful because it tells it's it's a better it's a better tapestry. It's you're putting all the f- pieces of the fabric together, and what a wonderful story. Much like, and Anthony Rizzo noted it, he saw those these these socks as we've talked about look like those Cubs from 2015, and you were there. You 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 saw this. This is this is a replay for you. A different different side of town. The difference being that the Cubs were middling for and obviously it's a 162 game season so there was more time to middle but the Cubs in 2015 had trouble getting over the hump they were a game under 500 500 a couple games over forever in 2015 before late July August rolls around and then they they blast off in that four game series against San Francisco so there was a different crescendo to the season the White Sox while they did have one period this year where they were struggling mightily and it felt like they were just going to be that team that made a nice improvement to 500 for the most part they've been on top of their game and just rising 
the whole time and recently became feeling anyway dominant because of their record and what they have done with the bats. So yeah, no doubt it's been a similar feel. As for Tim Anderson, look, I he's he's the runner up. There's no doubt. It's just that Jose Abreu is number one. I it's amazing how nobody cares anymore about. Tim Anderson not walking. Everybody's like, okay, we're not going to make a big deal. About it. Remember when it was like he would walk and he would get he would get mocked. It would get uh-huh. like, oh, that's his first walk in his last you know twenty five at bats. He's got to walk more. He's got to walk. If he wants to be at the top of the order, he's got. Everybody got over that because his his approach is legit. I didn't know coming into this year if he'd be able to do what he did last year, and he's topped it and he's gotten better. He's Jimmy Butler of baseball. Timmy G. Buckets, yeah. All right, well, Jimmy Butler's having himself. He found a team, he found a coach, he found some teammates, he found an opportunity to make big shots. Of course, he's been up 2 to nothing over the Celtics before and then not won a game the rest of the way. So we'll see how (laughs) that goes for Jimmy G. Buckets. Who's your MVP in baseball? Who's yours on the White Sox? Did you say? Are you with me on Abreu or no? I I was going to let it play out. I didn't need to go every week to week or take the pulse. I was just going to wait until the end and go, okay, who, who is it? So let me offer you a weird... Right now, I'm I'm in agreement with you. On, I've gotten off Anderson. I thought he played a more important position. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I see a guy who's contributed to more wins, who has been a bigger, bigger, more important bat. And while I have respect for what Anderson did, I do agree with you on Abreu. But I want to go back to this because much as we heard on Inside the Clubhouse with uh, Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel, John, John Lester was was on and we're going to replay that later in the show it was a terrific interview and you know after a really emotional perform uh post-game performance by john lester and we'll we'll bring that to you later but you got to remember what dallas keichel did not just what he brought but remember in august the the Sox were eight and nine and dallas keichel called out his teammates we've got some guys kind of going through the motions so there was nobody who was going to say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this guy. You've got one win. Sit down. You're, you're new around here. Nobody said that. They are 25 and nine since Dallas Keuchel opened his mouth. They're in first place in the AL Central. They're, they're, they got the same number of losses as the Rays. They're one get, you know, a half. They're, they're one win behind the Rays. They have a three-game lead in their division. There's something that he did, a la John Lester, that that sounds like such a it's such a much more of a clubhouse thing but it resounded through the team and look how they responded once they got called out by somebody who they obviously respected i just what dallas keigel did is it is stand up and not yell but he did it in such a way that he got everyone's attention and everyone went back to work oh yeah we got a we got work to do here and look what they've done since dallas keigel opened his mouth that's great. That's a great call. And not just that, but then he has backed it up on the field. I talked to one guy who covers the White Sox closely, and I said, all right, who is the who's the game one starter for the White Sox in the playoffs? And before I could get the question out of my mouth, he said Dallas Keuchel. It should be Dallas Keuchel, 100% Dallas Keuchel because of the experience factor and because he's been terrific. And, look, you're not going to lose – you know, in a figurative sense, you can't lose with either Lucas Giolito or Dallas Keuchel being your starter in the playoffs. But I, I do think it deserves some consideration for debate when I think most people probably the first 
blush would be Giolito, right? Got to be Giolito, but I I don't know, man. Maybe Keuchel. Well, you need you need him healthy. See, remember, I remember when we talked about um, Ricky Renteria letting Dallas Keuchel pitch a ridiculous eighth inning and go to 114 pitches against the Cubs in a blowout. And so we were talking about it. And I just said I I don't understand the manager's reasoning. Well, and his reasoning was at least what Ricky Renteria said was well. He wanted to go. He really wanted to pitch. It's like, well, someone has to be an adult in the room here. And we got some texts from people inside the Sox organization that said, look, they got some extra days off next week. It'll be fine. And, and you know, it hasn't really been fine since since then. He's now got back problems. Back problems, you never know when they flare up. I can't trace them to that Cubs outing. His next outing was pretty good. It was, it was a good outing, but not as good as the one before. And as most recent outing wasn't good at all, and you don't know what happened, what 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 the innings might have done to him. But I want to see him pitch. I want to see him pitch healthy. I want to see him pitch the way, like you're talking about. He should be the guy to start. I'm all I'm in favor of that. He should be the guy to start. Is it Keuchel today? One. Isn't it Keuchel today, Stevie Sunshine? It's well, we haven't to be. played the game. Until they play the game, I'm not saying back right. backs can suddenly cause oh yeah, reason, you know spot. Plus, I, I thought know. he Maybe was it'll supposed be to start Crochet last night. starting game. Maybe oh. Garrett Crochet will start game one. Oh, just and give him like have, two innings. Do the starter yeah. thing with Crochet. It, ha, or that's the first, a hell of an what do you call it? The, yeah, the opener. Opener. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. but you can't be the opener. Be the closer. He's got one. He's got 100 miles an hour. You get to sit wherever you want, right? Don't you get to pick it? Yeah. All right. Uh, I love that the, idea. Um, but I think that, yeah, Bauer going for the Reds today. So good luck with that. Um, I didn't you did you what did you think about his complimenting the Cubs on? After after he beat the you know you gotta you gotta love a team that keeps chirping even when a guy sticks it up your backside. I think that he was... burned the Cubs. I thought he. <laughs> I thought he. I thought he won. That's what that's what I, I'll say about that. I so want him in town. I so yeah. want one of the teams oh, to sign man. him. Um, so I had a question about this: the um, upcoming Cubs Sox World Series. Let me yeah, let me yes. let me go here because. As I said earlier, Rizzo yeah, um, on on the uh, Zuma Palooza yesterday was talking about, you know, we've been talking about this, the 2015 Cubs and the 2020 White Sox, and different size seasons, I get it, and different environments, but the same thing. This is a team coming, a young team with some veteran additions, looking like they they can play that game. They're focused. They're going. They're they're going strong. They're finishing strong at the end. So his quote, Rizzo said, they have a team that's, in watching them, it's similar to us in 2015. They started with a lot of talent. We started with a lot of talent. Talent has a ways to go. And now they're a powerhouse team. Over here, we have guys that have won and know what the playoffs are like. It could very well come down to that, and that would be amazing. So he's talking about the Chicago World Series. Cub Sox World Series played in Texas. That's where the... World Series bubble is going to be. So, as this affects the Cubs and the Sox and Mayor Lightfoot, who was on the airwaves with Mully and Hanley, we'll talk about that, uh, Mully and Haw, we'll talk about that a little later. Whichever team, Cubs-Sox World Series in Texas, whichever team wins the World Series, wouldn't they have to, according to Mayor Lightfoot, wouldn't they have to wait 14 days and self-quarantine before they have the parade? Yeah. 
I guess, yeah, because if, if you're well, in Texas, you mean, yeah, because the players yeah, will be in Texas. Yeah, I guess that's, that's the on rule. her no yep. fly list. Yeah. Yeah. And, or Hell, what if, you go to Michi- if you go to Michigan, you got to quarantine for four days. So, okay. yeah, you're correct. So, would it just be the Cubs and not her White Sox? Maybe her White Sox get special dispensation? Wouldn't they have to quarantine for 14 days? Well, I don't think so because she's certainly not giving her Bears special dispensation. So I don't think I there'll know. be any special dispensation the way our the, the way the good mayor was talking on the Mully and Haw show on the score. I have a question for the good mayor on on as the Big Ten released its schedule, the Big Ten just sanctimonious frauds that they are, ignoring science and claiming they've got magic and all this other stuff. And taking advantage of free. I really wish college players had a union. They would. The Big Ten would never be doing this. The SEC would never be doing this. There would be respect for human life. Clearly, there's not when you're a football player, and you're a university, and you're just a sanctimonious fraud. But the schedule was revealed today. So let me bring this to you, Mark. Based on what we know about Mayor Lightfoot, North North um, Northwestern will be playing at Iowa in week two. So, don't they have to quarantine for 14 days when they come back from Iowa? Because she's a, that's on Lori Lightfoot's hate list. They can't play. They can't yeah. play the next week against Nebraska. And Nebraska would have to isolate, would quarantine for 14 days too, right? Or yeah. do they fly, or do they not fly in? Nobody flies in and out of O'Hare, which is run by Chicago. They fly into Waukegan or someplace at Milwaukee, any place but that fly into Indiana and drive, as long as you are not flying into Chicago, you don't have to self-quarantine, right? How do you get around this rule? How does Lori Lightfoot do this? Because I don't know where Northwestern is going to fly out of. School's rich enough. They could hire private jets, and they could fly out of a private airport and do that. But Northwestern plays at Iowa in week two, and then Nebraska comes here, and those are two... Schools from evil, dumb states that Lori Lightfoot says, now, uh-uh, we'll hunt you down. You have to isolate for 14 days. Well, won't they? the players be tested, though? I, it doesn't matter. Isn't Chicago's that the difference? Rules Isn't have that nothing difference? to do about testing. Chicago, Mayor Lightfoot said, if you come from one of those states, even if you're a returning resident of Chicago, you need, and you fly into Chicago, then you need to isolate and i guess the idea is evanston's not chicago don't fly into o'hare avoid all of those that's that snag but that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with i would not think her a hypocrite nor would i begrudge her an amendment to her rule if the players are to take covid19 tests and pass covid19 tests all right whatever right no yeah sure whatever she wants i just want to see who the cubs and how see if the cubs and Sox have to Quarantined for 14 days before the World Series parade after the World <laughs> Series. Because there's going to be one, obviously. Well, as, I'm just playing by her rules, and both teams are certainly in the Chicago city limits. They're not in Evanston. I just want to see what happens there. So Mayor Lightfoot did talk about the Bears, and um, and the Bears responded back to her. But there are other Bears questions we have. Uh, we we'll talk about them next. We'll take a break. I'll tell you that. Scott Merkin will talk more White Sox with us. He covers the Sox at MLB.com. Well, he'll be here at 1140. At 12:20, Patrick Finley, Sun Times. He covers the Bears. We will talk Bears football with him, and then we will have a deluxe interview at 1:20 with Mark Gonzalez yes. because it's baseball season. 
Gonzo, I believe, covered the White Sox the last time they were in the playoffs. Now he's covering the Cubs, and he has the greatest walk-up music that we have on this show. So we will talk about all of that with him. At 140, we'll replay the John Lester interview that he did with Inside Clubhouse. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers right here on Saturday Suckage. But there are some Bears questions that I need you to answer so we can deal with one of them next. How about that, Mark Grody? That sounds wonderful, Steve Rosenblum. All right, Mark Grody. So we will do that. Rosenblum and Grody, Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Bears. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast there can be times throughout the first three quarters where it can be frustrating for all of us everybody on the sideline uh but then you get to that fourth quarter and you see how great it can be and how exciting it can be. So I think the biggest thing that we're trying to do right now and we're discussing as a, as an offense in general is really being able to have that consistency one through four uh, with more good than bad, protect the football, get first downs. And then when you get those first downs now, turn them into, into touchdowns. So uh, we don't get too high about the fourth quarter and we don't get too low about the first three. Uh, so we can we can we, we want to put a complete game together uh, here this weekend. Well, Matt Nagy, Bears coach, we do get high on the fourth quarter and we get too low on the first three quarters because we're sports talk radio. That's what we do. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody, back with you. Bears against the Giants. And that'll be tomorrow. And the Steelers held Saquon Barkley to six yards on 15 carries. And it's just an amazing thing that happened. And Mitch Trubisky was 
fireable in the first three quarters, and then he was Tom Brady and Joe Montana and everybody in the last quarter. So, Mark Rohde, what what's the real Mitch Trubisky? Which do you believe? You've seen this. You had to deal with it. You watched the week play out. What should people believe or none of it? Well, history has said that when Mitchell Trubisky has a good game one week, the next week it's not so good. So I guess this week will tell a lot. <laughs> will tell a lot. And it is it is the Giants. And I would have to imagine that both teams in certain areas are licking their chops a little bit because although Saquon Barkley was horrendous along with that offensive line of the Giants in week one, they must be looking at the Bears and saying, oh, look at that. The Bears' defense allowed 4.8 yards per carry and allowed a bunch of big bursts to old man Adrian Peterson in that game. So they must be thinking, all right, this is this might be a get-right game for us. Well, the getting is still good against the Bears' defense, which one would have to believe will, will eventually tighten up and start to lock down, but maybe not early in the season. So you'd have to think that that would be the case. And then the Bears are probably looking at it the other way, like, oh, yeah, this offensive line is gettable. Saquon Barkley didn't get off last week, so maybe this is our week to to lock down and tighten up against an ineffective offensive line for the Giants. So we'll see. I mean, I, I definitely give the, the edge to the Bears. I do think the Bears are better. I do think the Bears will win the game, uh, but they're, they can't take it for granted. And look, Saquon Barkley, uh, Adrian Peterson, one of the best ever. Saquon Barkley, at this point, way better a way better running back. So you got to stop that. You can't. That that was the worst. Look, the the offensive stuff hogged the headlines, but the worst part was seeing all those big chunk runs by Adrian Peterson. That part, that was the most alarming part when you finally get over the the adrenaline of the actual offense of what happened in the game. That that was disturbing. That magnifies the 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 two areas of injury and incompetence in a lot of ways of the Bears' defense that you thought was going to be really good. They're going to stop the run. They're going to rush the passer. They're going to destroy people. That's the way great defenses do it. And then they were going to take the ball away. And there's AAAP. There's the old man club just running through them going, hey, remember when, when Eddie Goldman used to be here and he was good and nobody else is now? And at the linebacker level, there was nobody making – I mean, where, where are you guys? What are you doing here? This week – I have no idea the shape that Robert Quinn's in. I have no idea the shape that Khalil Mack's in. The idea, every time I hear talk that Robert Quinn's coming so Khalil Mack will be better, I think that's such crap. It might be true. If it is true, if he needs Robert Quinn to be better, then he's not worth all the money they're giving him and all the draft, all, all that they paid for him. He needs to be the guy who makes everybody else better. But that offensive line for the Giants... And the fact that Daniel Jones has a short history of being a turnover machine is where the Bears' defense could reestablish itself to what we saw two years ago of turnovers and scores. This is an opportunity, whether it's forcing fumbles, picking ball, picking off balls, putting, getting a pass rush together. This offensive line allows everything you envisioned about this Bears offense, doesn't it? Doesn't this isn't this the right situation, no matter how much Mitch stinks? That the Bears offensive line 
No, no, the Giants offensive line. Oh, yeah. As, as yeah. questionable no, as it at, is. At least, hey, look, at least for one week. And, and things could change as, as they do week to week. But, yeah, you have – it was a bad-looking offensive line for the Giants in week one. A converted tackle and, and Nick Gates at center. Cam Fleming, the right tackle, was bad. They've got a, a rookie in Andrew Thomas, who eventually is going to probably be really good, but just not yet. Another thing to add to that, too, is, look, Akeem Hicks had maybe one of the best defensive plays in the game when he got the one quarterback sack in the game that the Bears had, and it was of consequence. But you, it would be nice to see the return of some early dominance from Akeem Hicks on the run game, some of those big-time plays that he is known to make early in games that gets the the gets everybody on the D I was gonna say the crowd, but gets the the team pumped up and he's pumping his fists and he's going crazy and he's stomping around. So you wanna see some of that as well. And I get it, I get it. Eddie Goldman is out and that clearly made a difference. Although Bilal Nichols had a pretty good game, you know, against various fronts at different and he didn't he wasn't at nose tackle the entire time, but he was actually decent. But they didn't do a good enough job, and you just need – you're right, with the with the interceptions, you need some big, sparkling plays early in the game on defense to set the tempo against this Giants team. Well, I think they got to make Daniel Jones turn the ball over because that's what Daniel Jones does a lot, and that's the opportunity that's presented, and that's something that the Bears defense, when it was scary good and everybody was talking about comparing it to the super defense, the super Bears defense, that's, that's what they were doing, and – I think that's this is an opportunity this week because look at the question marks. It's Mac, it's Hicks, it's Quinn, it's Roquan, and especially Danny Trevathan. And that's what you're that that's where your playmakers are setting up the secondary for, but that's where they make the plays. And I think that's where this could be an opportunity for a lot of questions to be answered, or this could be a palm to forehead kind of day. Yeah, because it's almost in the whole pantheon of an NFL season, you are allowed to look at this as a must win or you damn well better win. Maybe we'll just put it that way because (laughs) after this week, it, it starts to become more challenging because you are at Atlanta after this week, then you are home against the Colts, and then the Thursday nighter at Soldier Field against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So a degree of difficulty goes up just a little bit, and obviously, just in general, even if it wasn't that schedule after this game, you in the NFL, you can't lose to bad teams that won four games last year and kind of look the same this year, regardless of their head coach. And I think it's hilarious, too, that from what I'm hearing out of the the New York media, everybody is high on this head coach. Wow, they, they, it looks like they have a winning culture again. Really? I mean, Joe but Judge. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Joe Judge. I couldn't Here even think of his name judge. off the top of my head. Yeah. Here comes the judge, and he, he does come from the New England Patriots coaching tree. Haven't we fallen for that way too much, Matt? Patricia? Right, that's that's the advantage of the Bears. They, got Matt, they beat Matt, Matt Patricia again. So anybody who loses to Mitch Trubisky that many times, I he's he has my vote for he'll be the first coach fired. That's my prediction. He will be the first coach fired this year, and I can't believe he's still coaching this week. And then here's another guy from the Bill Belichick. The Bill Belichick coaching tree stops at Bill Belichick. He's the roots. <laughs> he's the trunk. He's That's all it. the branches. There's That's nothing else except dead leaves. Look around. 
Yeah. I mean, has there been since uh, the Notre Dame head coach, uh, Charlie Weiss? Oof. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a great – we can go on. We could probably make a top ten list, and and NFL teams keep falling for it. Yep, they do. Year after year, they're like, here's another Patriots guy. I don't know why. It just – there's some stupidity that goes on in the NFL front office is that how come you and I can see it and say – this is Bill Belichick. It, it's sorry, it's not you. You know, you got to understand in football, they, they, there's never Occam's razor. It's never the simplest answer is the right answer. It's never obvious to football people because they always use the word football, and they have to talk about football people and football coaches. They have no football stuff, and these are the football media doesn't know football. Okay, football, football, football. We're gonna take a break, and we're gonna talk baseball. We're done with football for now. We're gonna talk White Sox baseball. Scott Merkin of MLB.com. I'm Steve Rosenblum's Mark Grody, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. First pitch swing in the air. Luis Robert makes the catch. And in a year when so many of us have had to be apart, we all will journey together into October with the White Sox for the first time in 12 years. The Sox are going to the playoffs. Hey, Stevie Sunshine, let's talk baseball here in a second. But first, a bit of uh, breaking news before we do get to Scott Merkin. And back to you, Rosie. But the the Bears and running back Tariq Cohen, according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, have had fruitful discussions about a contract extension, sources say. And there is a push to get it done today in advance of week two tomorrow. The deadline for a signed deal is 3.59 p.m. today to be official for Sunday, and it's a real possibility. Stay tuned, dot, dot, dot. Again, Ian Rappaport right there, Mr. Rosenblum. All right, we'll talk about that next hour. Remember, breaking news on the score is brought to you by Pennzoil. Motor oil is made from natural gas. The proof is in the Pennzoil. And now joining us on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, is the aforementioned Scott Merkin. He covers the White Sox for MLB.com. Scott, thanks for coming on. Welcome. Who's your AL MVP and why? Oh, you know, I, I have to defer on that because I have no. that vote this year. I have oh, the vote. Oh, you lucked I, out, man. I, I, can't, I can't reveal. I, let's just say there's a lot of good candidates. And a couple of them reside on the south side of Chicago, or play on the south side of Chicago. Oh, but unfortunately, fly, I, fly, I, I have, I have yeah. to defer. I have to. De- I can talk about Cy Young if you want, or Rookie of the Year. That would be good. But on MVP, I do have the vote this year. Is there really any question who the AO Rookie of the Year is? I mean, uh, Lewis from Seattle's had a great year too, right? Yeah, so I mean, I, now, now granted, he has played on a team that's not going to go to the playoffs, and that and that you know brings into question. You know, I, I guess overall, how do you vote for this? You know, I mean, do you look simply at raw numbers? If you look simply at raw numbers, you might as well retire the MVP in the AL until Mike Trout retires or gets traded to the National League, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, he's just unreal every single year. But, you know, do you look at what they've meant on the team? And then I guess, you know, you know, even though Seattle is, what, six, seven games under, and, you know, barring a huge collapse by Cleveland or Toronto or a huge run by them is not going to make the playoffs. But, you know, are, are they in it? close because Lewis has made that kind of difference on him too. But I mean, I think, I think those are the two main guys who have, you know, Lewis and Luis Robert, obviously who have been great rookie wise in the American league. 
Merck, the White Sox yesterday called up their number, or I should say first-round pick from this year, called them up. Not only did they do that, but all of a sudden we saw him warming up during the game. He gets an inning, a 1-2-3. What did you think about the whole process of yesterday and then what he did, and then what did he say afterwards? Yeah, good move by the Sox, and I, I kind of figured it was going to happen that he'd pitch yesterday. I think there's probably no reason to call the young man up and let him sit for like two or three days wondering when he's getting in there. And you kind of figured with Jonathan Stever, even if he had a good start, which he did not last night, you know, he was on a, a pitch count anyways. It wasn't like Jonathan Stever was going to work six or seven innings. So, it was good. I mean, he was overwhelming last night. Now, again, it's it's one outing, and I don't think anyone ever has been, you know, discarded or made the Hall of Fame on one outing, but he was tremendous. I mean, geez, some of the pitch, he, you know, he, he had good poise out there, too. The first pitch, he kind of spiked in the dirt away from Yasmani Grandal and then was pretty much on target the rest of the way there. I mean, just, uh, you could even see, I think it was, I, I think it was Garcia, who was the last guy he struck out before Barnhart grounded out to Jose. It was, you could yeah. See, you could even see him kind of look back at Crochet, like, was he even on the roster? Where did this guy come from when he threw yeah, the, I, the, the pitch? I thought I was kind of like, pro- I thought I was projecting that, but I was watching it. It was like, yeah. I saw some yeah. weird looks from those hitters, man. And, and that's the thing is, you know, I, he, he's a great asset just because he's got the 100-mile-an-hour fastball and everything else he brings out there. But, you know, I don't think there's a ton of tape on this guy, right? I mean, I, I, unless, you know, they're getting tape from Schaumburg where he was working or the one three-and-a-third-inning outing he had for Tennessee before, unfortunately, you know, the pandemic shut everything down. So, you know, I, there's not going to be – and now, granted, he pitched yesterday, so now there's a little bit of tape on him, so he won't be a complete surprise. But, yeah, the Reds look like – you know, was this guy listed? You know, like like right. appealing afterwards. I don't think he was on the card. We need we need to get a ruling on this one. I mean, he was he was that good yesterday. I mean, you know, you you can't just like they say you can't you know teach speed. You can't teach a guy to throw a hundred miles an hour. I, mean, I guess you can you know help a guy increase his velocity, but not like that. And you know, and, and just adding real quickly, you know, kind of great demeanor too. You know, after the game, you could tell he was excited when he talked to us in the Zoom. Not because he was talking to us, but because he had made his major league <laughs> debut, but still completely under control. You know, I mean, just kind of like, okay, this is what I thought it was going to be. You know, I didn't know if it was going to happen this year, but it did, and I'm kind of ready to go now. Our guest on the score, Scott Merkin of MLB.com. We're talking White Sox baseball here on Saturday Suckage. So if you're not allowed to name your MVP, why don't you name your starting rotation for the playoffs for the White Sox? I would think, you know, right now it's Giolito, Keiko, assuming everything goes well with his back, he's you know going to come off the IL tonight and and pitch against the Reds. It should be a big you know big start. He, he should have two starts before he goes to the postseason. And I still think right now probably Cease has a slight edge, but boy Dunning Dunning's been real impressive. I mean Cease has done a, a good job. He just hasn't worked deep into games consistently. You know he he gets kind of heavy pitch counts even if his walk total doesn't get high up there. So I guess it just depends on what they want. And it'll be interesting to see the roster construction overall because. You know, in that first round, the most games you're going to have is three, so you don't need a fourth starter. So then they look at, you know, do you have, do you just take the next best guy? So even if it's, if it's, let's say it's Dunning at three, is Cease has got to be on that roster as, you know, kind of a, a bullpen guy, or maybe you got to piggyback with Dunning, or vice versa if Cease is three and Dunning's four. So I'd say right now it's Giolito, Keuchel, and then Cease. All right, so it is Keuchel pitching today, yes, yes? or tonight, Yes, I guess yeah, I mean, they haven't officially announced it yet, in terms of press release, but yeah, we were told after the game last night that it, and before the game actually too, that Dallas Keuchel is pitching today. Okay, and then and Luis Robert, anything about his struggles, or is this just because it's not like he hasn't had some slumps already this year? Any right. worries over that? 
No, you know, I think he he even talked about it recently that, you know, they've kind of changed their approach, and you can see they're going a lot of, you know, sliders outside the zone, and that's what kind of hit Eloy Jimenez early on in 2019. And, you know, now he's got to adjust, and he's had a, he's had a bad September. You know, he's had a bad September, and Yohan Moncada's had a bad September. And I think the Sox, you know, as much as offenses they have one through nine in that lineup, they need those guys to be, you know, competitive at least. Not, you know, maybe competitive is a bad word. To, to do some sort of production in there and, you know, get going before the playoffs start. You know, the great thing about this season for the Sox is that I think they've kind of surprised people just what their ultimate win total is going to be. I think people thought they were going to be a playoff team, but maybe not win the division and win, you know, 37, 38 games, whatever it comes down to. But in the same sense, yeah, they could win the World Series, but you could also be gone by, you know, a week from this Thursday too, right? So you need – that's why these, this last nine games now, I guess it is, is – as much about getting everyone on track and ready and doing whatever you can to, you know, sustain that postseason run as opposed to just winning as many games as you can of these last nine. Mark, we appreciate your time. We thank you very much. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again as you're at any point in time when you're allowed to reveal your MVP choice. We look forward to hearing it. <laughs> I will, we look forward I will do to that. breaking come that back news sure. here. All right. Thanks, Excellent. Mark. Okay, guys. Take care. See Scott Morgan, MLB.com, covers the White Sox for MLB.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, Mark's breaking news, the breaking news he reported from um, uh, earlier in the show about Tariq Cohen, and as it affects Allen Robinson, so suddenly two skilled position players, somebody might get a new contract and not the guy who made a big deal out of it this week. So we'll take a break, and we will talk about that next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.